And we're again at the crossroads with the Article 7 podcast. Podcast. This is Andy Jago at home, uh, pastor of Bethany Lutheran Church at 2501 Beacon Hill Road uh, in Alexandria, Virginia, www.bethany-lcms.com. I'm determined that I'm going to get this next podcast out <laughs> on time, uh, so hence all the background noise. The uh, episode today, you're going to, next voice you're going to hear is Tonya Fazek from our preschool, giving you a little spring uh, preview of what's uh, going on there and then what's coming up. Uh, and also, uh, after that, uh, C2W, Created to Worship, our contemporary music group, singing uh, There is a Redeemer. And then after the part two of At the Crossroads, uh, the next sermon in our series, you'll hear them sing Jesus Guide Me uh, by Bethany's own Matthew C. Ballard. Uh, Okay, so that's it. That's all coming up, and stick around. Hi, this is Tony Fazek, Bethany Lutheran Preschool. And uh, it's a very exciting time of the year for us. Winter's almost over and uh, spring's on its way. We have a lot of different uh, Lent and uh, Easter activities going on in the classroom. And uh, one of which is our Chris the Caring Caterpillar. Chris is a character that the children help uh, make every time they bring in food to share with Uh, our neighbors who don't have enough money to purchase food this winter, they get to decorate a circle and help Chris grow with God's love. It's also our time for registration for next school year. Um, We do have a few classes that have already filled, but there are plenty of spaces for our new friends. We have children as young as two, and then we have a pre-K class. It's a So registration is going on right now, and uh, we are also getting ready for our Easter break. And when we return from Easter, we will be we will have some uh, chrysalis or caterpillars arriving from one of the companies, and that which the teachers will have those little caterpillars in the classroom, and when they start to form their little cocoons, they will then be placed in a butterfly cage. And the children will watch and wait for these butterflies to erupt, which is quite an exciting event. And a few, they'll stay in the classroom for about a week or so, and they'll talk about the caterpillars and put some water and fruit and for the caterpillars to, to, to consume. And then we take them outside and, and let them go. And then at which point, Chris the caterpillar will also amazingly disappear from our walls and form his own little cocoon. And about the same time that the caterpillars are, are let go, uh, the, 
chrysalis does not any longer appear on the wall and he instead will be a symbol of new life. So we also incorporate this with our discussion of about Easter being the the uh, fruition of God's promise and Christ's ascension, uh, all that new life that we will be seeing outdoors and in our hearts as well. Oh, forgot to mention, <laughs> April 18th, we're having a yard sale at this church and preschool, and uh, we're going to be selling everything from man tools or woman tools uh, for all the Harry homeowners, as well as clothing and uh, some preschool equipment, preschool toys, and uh, household goods. So it'll be April 18th at Bethany Lutheran Church and Preschool. It's a Saturday, so come on down. We'll start at 8 and end at 1, and we hope to see you come. And then if you'd like to come see the school, we'll be here.
We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. You may be seated. As we have said in our psalm for today, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my God, my rock, and my redeemer. Amen. The uh, text is the gospel that we have just read from Mark chapter 10. We are on the road to the cross, taking a look at the last chapters of the gospel of Mark and how Mark presents that road to Golgotha. But also, I think, crossing two different, two things, and here it's a little more implicit than explicit in our text for today, but taking something like you know, the, the brokenness of divorce and putting it together, and, and looking at broken families, but putting it together for what is the, finding the, the reasons for the first creation of families and bringing them together healed and whole, and that is the power of the cross. So Mark is getting us into this in the first five verses of our text for today when the Pharisees come up and ask Jesus, well, I, I, I say it's the wrong question because they're asking, is it lawful? You know, when I read that, I, I think to myself, you know, can we get away with it? Or what's, what's the minimal standard that we are looking for? Does it, you know, and, and, and I guess you know, some people would, would think, well, you know, it, it, in terms of the, you know, marriage and, and other things that are there, well, if, if I'm not hurting anybody, is it really a sin? We think of approaches like that. And I think what Jesus said, what Jesus did all of a sudden, you know, is, it, is this lawful? Then he comes out, well, Moses command, what, what did Moses command you, using that word command? And I see the Pharisees backing off a little bit right away and say, well, he permitted a certificate of divorce. And Jesus said, well, that's because of your hardness of heart. So we're going to look at this head on. And I know, whenever we talk about divorce and remarriage, whenever this particular text comes up in our lectionary, and whenever it's the topic of conversation, it'll cause some uncomfortable shuffling around Because each of us in our family, none of our families are perfect. There's divorce, there's remarriage, there's blended families, and that's, I don't know a single individual is not touched by that in some way. So we bear that in mind as we examine. But then when we're uncomfortable, though, we shouldn't, here's my point with this, you shouldn't just take it and just throw it out or look over it or read it through it real quick and pretend it's not there. No. We take a look at it. And I think if we take a look at it in context, and we see the, what it's connected to here, what Jesus' words on marriage are connected to, we're going to come to a proper conclusion. We have here, in our text for today, we have here the, the, the uh, marriage and family, both together. 
And we have here asking Jesus, taking the Pharisees from the wrong. Now, they were Pharisees also in the background here. You have to understand they were saying these questions for a certain reason. And our text says in order to test Jesus. In the background of this is this rabbinical debate, this debate among teachers as to how strict you were supposed to be with marriage. It could, was, it, was it something that was a, you know, only for adultery or uh, as one school was saying at the time, you know, if your wife burns your dinner and you're not happy, uh, you can send her away then. <laughs> it was a little bit of a lax standard, we'll say. Where did Jesus fall on this? They were looking to see if he could pigeonhole him in one school or maybe the other and then say something against him because of that. There's some of that going on. So Jesus does this as he takes their question. He says, that's the wrong question. This is also important, I think, in, in relation to marriage and family and so forth. Asking the right question is also important for you and for me because there's always a question behind the question. And as I approach this as a pastor, there's, it's, it's, a, it's how you're going to deal with someone in terms of, of the law or grace. Why are you asking this question? Well, it's because, you know, I, I want to see if I can get away with something. Okay, well, then you look at the law. And you talk about you know, what, what marriage is and so forth. Or it's I'm terrified because I've had this sin that I've struggled with and so forth, and, I, and, I, uh, and I, I keep getting angry with my family and everything, and I, I'm very unhappy, and I, I want to know, you know, if, if God can still love me. Well, now we're in a different... Now you see the question behind the question, right? And so now we're in the place where we need to talk about forgiveness and grace. So that's not just a pastor approach. Anybody can do that. <laughs> And ask the question behind the question is part of the how we help and support our families. Here's the other thing. When we ask the right question, then we get into the next section here. We realize what is marriage. And this isn't just for married. This isn't a sermon just for married couples. This is for the whole church and for everybody and how we help and how we support our marriages. Not just as definitely a part of the church, but in society as a whole. What is marriage? Jesus says some very uncomfortable things about divorce and remarriage being adultery. Why was adultery important? Because you're breaking the the vow that you took when you were married. Why is that vow important? Because, and it's connected here in the next section, the children. If you have all this coupling and uncoupling all over the place and children everywhere, which way and when and there's no support system there to raise the children, let them know that they're loved and cared for and protected, in our case, in a Christian home, so that they're instilled with the values that we have and the love of Jesus that we have. And that's how they are raised. In the, if it's just all over the place, then if society as a whole falls apart. That's the issue today, not all the other junk that you hear in the news. What is marriage? Jesus says what God has joined together. Think about that. There was one time I was with a, a, a counseling situation. We have a few of the, uh, what I call mi- <laughs> mixed. Now, back in the day, mixed marriage would mean 
LCMS Lutheran and ELCA Lutheran. <laughs> That's me. I've got that kind of mixed marriage going. But this is, uh, this is you know, back, and then further on back, man, you'd really have to get permission from the parents if it was Lutheran and Roman Catholic coming together. And we've, we have now, it's pretty common that that happens, but, you know, back, at, back in the days of Germans, you had to really get, you had to get written permission from your from the Pope or something like that. No, when, when, when the, so there was this couple here together, and uh, Roman Catholic, Lutheran, both very sincere about their faith. And one of the questions that the, the bride-to-be had for me is, why don't Lutherans consider marriage a sacrament? Good question. Very good question. And I said, well, honestly, it's not a, a matter of doctrine it's how we consider what is a sacrament you know so we i went through the things that we have here it says well yeah it has to be commanded by god and actually if you look at marriage that's commanded by god i call it god's first oops he sees adam in the garden he says oops man is alone that's not good and eve is created and that's where you get that then man you know, he will leave his family be joined together and again, Jesus says, what God has joined together, let no one separate. It is commanded by God. The second thing is, is there, is there some sort of visible sign? Like in communion, we have the bread and wine. Uh, we have the waters of baptism. I suppose the wedding ring, although that's not in every culture. Wedding ring could be some sort of visible sign. But I, I said the third thing is, not, is what in Lutherans, why we don't define it as a sacrament. And that is that there's some sort of forgiveness or grace attached that's how we define it. It may not be how other Christians define it, but we, we like in the baptism, your sins are washed away. In Holy Communion, you receive for the forgiveness of sin. But I said, is marriage sacramental? Meaning, does it have power? Absolutely it does. What God has joined together, and I don't think we we have to look at that, whether we're married or single and in support of families. We look at what, you know, ask, ask someone who has been married 50, 60 years. How they view the words joined together. The two are one flesh. That's not just talking about relations. That's talking about your lives coming together. I mean, I started, I, I've, I've been married almost 20 years, and I can, I can see it a little bit in how my wife and I start to complete each other's thoughts and be on the same page as we're talking to one another. You know, I, I talked to my grandparents when, when they were living, and you know, they, would, they would be able to look at one another. They wouldn't have to say a word. But they know this is what's, what the other person is thinking. You start to sacrifice your own needs and your own selfishness to the other person. Every couple that, that I've counseled, almost every couple wants 1 Corinthians 13 as part of their wedding. How many of you had that, those of you who are married and you're, see, that's a popular thing. Paul wrote that to a church that was ripping itself apart, not necessarily to a, wedding, a couple. He was saying love is patient, love is kind. He's using the word agape because this is what God is doing in marriage. Agape means self-sacrificing love. It's the same word that is used about how God loves us and how Jesus loves us. Agape is a crossword. That's love that Jesus showed on the cross. He says, I would rather die than see you suffer in hell. 
to see you apart from the love of God. When you love somebody, when people are brought together in that love, when that love starts to form human families here on this earth, you're sacrificing yourself. You're sacrificing your own needs. You want the other person to be healthy and happy and so forth, and and you come together in that way. The two shall become one. That's what's going on. But of course, because of sin, it just doesn't work out. And why we have all this brokenness, why we have divided families. And we look at Jesus' disciples had trouble with this. They got Jesus aside in the house. Isn't that what it says? They, stay, they continued to ask him about this matter. Matthew illuminates this a little bit, saying they were bothered. How, how can people do this? How are you able to do this? It is impossible because of sin. And that's where faith comes in. You want to take a look at faith, look at the next section, where we have the blessing of children. And let's look at that two ways. First of all, children are a blessing. That's what God intended marriage to have, this, this bringing up, this building up of children in our families. And as people were bringing children to Jesus, right after this happened, and you see how these things are connected. Right after he's saying these things, people are starting to bring children to Jesus. Disciples are saying no, and Jesus is indignant, hot, angry. No, you let those children come here. Do not stand in their way. Do not hinder them. And again, getting into some of the pastoral counseling, those of you that have brought your children here for baptism have heard me say, unless you have faith like this child, why do we baptize babies here? Because babies have faith. These little children have faith. They don't have to be at an age where they make a decision about it. Although that discipleship is important in what we do for confirmation, but faith is there. Their faith is extended to you, the parent. And if you want a a sign of this, toss the baby up in the air and catch the baby. What happens? They start belly laughing. (laughs) They're happy. They're joyful. Even though they're tossed up in the air. I say to adults, you know, when we're tossed up in the air, as we often are in our life, metaphorically, do we have faith? Do we have faith that God's everlasting arms, it's a word that Deuteronomy uses, everlasting arms, is his everlasting arms going to be there to catch us? As my children got older, they started doing this, you know, (laughs) because as we get older, it's harder to have trust and to have that childlike faith where we need to enter the kingdom of God. Children teach us. They teach us this faith. Children are a blessing. And then we do not hinder, we do not keep them back from the blessing. Jesus placed his hands upon them and blessed them. We bless them by bringing them up, by teaching them about Jesus, by showing them the love of our Savior, by saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And by this as well. All... We, we don't, we don't, we, well, we, what is our response to the brokenness that is in our families and in families around us? We bring it to the cross. Nothing in this world is ever going to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect. 
but how many of us have these situations where there's people that come into our orbit that God calls us, we, we feel, to take care of? All right? I, that's happened to me, even, where someone took me in their orbit a little bit. I, we're not blood relation. But isn't this where God creates family? By the love of Jesus at the cross. His self-sacrificing love. When that flows into our, our homes, when that flows into our church, our, fa- our definition of family grows. And what is broken can be healed by us coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Bound together. What, is, what God brings together, let no one separate. Whatever is bound together by the blood of Jesus Christ, nothing can separate us. Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds forever on Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise and sing together.
be seated. We worship our wonderful God with our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings. <laughs> 